0: All right, children are dismissed, so go ahead out with Miss Janine. The rest of us who are still young at heart, take your Bibles. Open up to the book of Genesis. Can you do that? Chapter 3. All right, up on the screen... For your consideration here today is the title of our message this morning, uh, Motherhood and Gospel Hope, and then there is something that we want you to carry home with you uh, that you will think about, and uh, so I'm going to be talking to women here today, but guys, we're not going to exclude you because in the story, there is at least a man, all right, and so you'll, you'll be able to figure this out. And uh, so, women, you can be more than childbearers, you can be gospel bearers. And so, we're going to learn the great hope that is in the story today. Uh, I have a question for you. When God created Adam, who did he make for Adam? No, he didn't make Eve. If you read the story, and we'll look at this today, uh, she does not get the name Eve until after the fall into sin. And Adam is the one who names her. How many of you knew that? Okay, a couple of you. Um, So as I was sitting and studying this through, uh, I was like, wow, that is very powerful. To realize that she did not get her name Eve from God, and she did not get her name until after the fall. So what is the significance of that? And so that might be one of the questions that we'll answer today. But let's look at our text. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 14, and we're going to go down to verse 24, beginning in verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all the earth. I'm sorry, above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now pay close attention to this next verse, verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now verse 16. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow in and, and thy conception, and sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Verse 17. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And unto Adam also, to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. Verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. All right, so I heard a a couple of cell phones go off out there. So would you just double-check your cell phones right now, make sure that they're on the silent mode or turn them off. And um, if you're using your Bible, as uh, your phone as a Bible, well, you can go ahead and leave it on. Just uh, maybe turn off Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and, you know, all those other things, Snapchat. Just turn them all off and just keep it open to the Word of God today. And so let's just pay attention to the Word uh, as we go through. So today's message is motherhood and gospel hope. You, women can be much more than child bearers. They can be gospel bearers. All right, so gospel hope is pronounced. So there are some punishments that are pronounced, and then there is hope that is pronounced. So let's look at verses 14 through 19 for this, our first point today. Uh, Gospel hope is pronounced, and so we we don't typically get that when we start reading this. Uh, What we seem to fixate on is all of the punishments that are listed here. So let's, there we go. Let's go through and look at the uh, judgments that are mentioned. So under the serpent. Verse 14. So there's a curse upon the serpent, uh, but it's not just the physical snake that God is cursing here because Satan embodied the serpent. And so Satan is also punished or cursed within this passage. At the end of verse 15, it shall bruise thy head. So the seed of the woman is going to punish the serpent or the devil. All right, so that's the devil's punishment. We'll talk more about that as we go through the message. The punishment to Eve. I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Um, Several years ago, I was visiting Northland Baptist Bible College uh, way up north in the UP of uh, Wisconsin, right across the state line from Michigan, where they have that little funny section that's across the water and it's connected to Wisconsin. And um, about 10 o'clock at night, I started having some shooting pains in my lower back and uh, was doubling me over. I right? was gasping for breath and I got down on my knees and then I got into the fetal position and then I started vomiting. And uh, so I said, something's not right. And uh, so I called the, uh, the desk, and this is about 10.30 at night, and uh, I said, I don't know what's going on, but I need to get to a hospital. I am in so much pain. And so the closest hospital was a little county hospital that was 45 minutes away. And I laid in that back seat and I screamed that 45 minute ride to the hospital. I had never been in so much pain. I was having a kidney stone attack. And with every contraction, uh, it just gripped and you just screamed. Well, I shared that story with a a couple of women and this was their comment. That's almost as bad as childbirth. (laughs) I was like, wow, <laughs> if that's what you're going through, then God bless you all right, for going through that to bring forth children into the world. Um, now, just the follow-up on that, the little country hospital uh, didn't know what to do with my kidney stone because it had gone down into the tube between the bladder and the kidney, and it was blocking it, and so uh, they couldn't take care of it, so what they did was they put a little stent in there, and every time that little sphincter valve would try to close, it would just squeeze on that tube and just feel like I'm having that kidney stone attack all over again. And so I was in the middle of a two-week business trip, and so for two weeks, I drove around the United States from Wisconsin down to South Carolina with that, and I finally got an airplane back to California and was so glad to get to Kaiser because they did that little uh, ultrasound wave blasting thing and blasted that out of there so I didn't have to have surgery. But... uh, Man alive, that pain was just unbearable. And so here, this is one of the curses then upon a woman uh, for sin uh, is the pain in childbirth. The other part that is there is the battle of the sexes. This is where it started. Uh, Right here, it's part of the curse. And so if you have conflict or battles between uh, your husband and wife in the, in the marriage relationship, well, this is the part of the curse, and so you can thank Eve for that later, all right? So that's the curse upon the woman, and then the curse upon the man is the futility in his work. Uh, you know, there are some jobs that are satisfying, but we know that there's no job that's absolutely perfect. And so we can think we've done a pretty good thing, but then as we think about it, then we're like, well... That was good, but that wasn't perfect. But then sometimes, as we look at this, thorns and thistles, uh, problems and other things just get in the way of our work, and it becomes so unsatisfying And because it's cursed. And uh, we have to work hard. You know, it's uh, just a little side note. Let me go down a, a little rabbit trail here for just a moment. Parents, teach your young people how to work hard. They need to learn that. It's One of the best abilities that you can teach them. I remember years ago, uh, my children uh, went out to an olive uh, grove to uh, help one of the members in the the church that was associated with the Christian school that they were attending with. And it was uh, during December and after it had rained and they were going out and they were uh, harvesting olives off the trees. And they worked hard. And they impressed this man. So much so that uh, he uh, would ask for them. And uh, then he relocated to South Carolina. My kids went to college in South Carolina. And they needed some work. And uh, he found out about that. And he's like, hey, I want you to work for me. And so just that hard work ethic, it paid off for them. And so teaching your child to work hard, it, it pays off for them. So if you give them a hard and a difficult job, Uh, follow through with it, make sure that they finish that hard work and they don't quit in the middle of something difficult. So that was just free. Uh, Let's get back into the text, all right? Um, So, thorns and thistles, uh, verse 18, thou shalt bring forth to thee, thou shalt eat of the herb of the field and the sweat of thy face, thou shalt eat bread uh, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken and for dust thou art and unto dust thou shalt return. And so upon humanity was also this punishment, physical death. And we go back to the ground, for out of it we were made, and to it we return. So these are the punishments that are pronounced. And uh, death is the ultimate punishment. That's not good news, is it? So far, no hope in our story. And for a lot of people in life, they're living without hope. I, to be honest with you, struggle when I have to preach a funeral when I know the person died without Christ. That is so difficult. There's no hope for that individual. Do you know Christ? I hope you do. Because if you do, then in your passing, there's hope for your family and encouragement and comfort for them. But there's no hope here at this point. So let's look at hope pronounced. So let's go back up to verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Now the word enmity is an old word there for conflict for a fight for a war, all right, for hatred between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. So in the conflict, Satan bruises the seed of the woman, bruises his heel, but the seed of the woman bruises the head of the serpent. That's a mortal wound. That's defeat. All right? So this is the hope then that Adam and Eve hear in this pronouncement from God that their child or their children after them will be their hope and this child will defeat the serpent or the devil so you're going to say wow how do you get that interpretation all right well just jump over to chapter 4 with me for just a second And look at the hope in the birth of their first child. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Here's the promise that God was talking about I've got my man child here to, to, to win the battle against the devil, against the serpent. And so she was excited. And so she thought, hey, God has kept his promise here. It's been fulfilled. So the serpent would be punished um, and his seed. Now, as we go through this, uh, let's look here just at the fact that Cain didn't turn out so good, did he? What do we know about him? He murdered his brother Abel. And then if you go to the end of chapter 4, I want you to turn over there. To replace Abel, God gave them Seth. So in verse 26, And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enoch. And then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. All right, so in verse 25, It says, For God said she hath appointed uh, me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. So when Seth was born, then people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Well, that means that Cain did not. So if you read your New Testament, the Bible tells us, that Cain was of that wicked one, the devil. So in life, there's going to be two general classifications of people. Those who are of the seed of Cain, of children of the wicked one. And those who call upon the name of the Lord, the seed that tries to follow the Lord in a righteous path. So just two general ways to approach life. Can you not see that conflict playing out in our society right now? There's a fight for the soul of this nation. The way of wickedness is rising up. It's trying to exalt itself and trying to call everything that is wrong, trying to call it right trying to overthrow law and order, and it's causing chaos in our society. And then you have those that are trying to defend basic common sense and basic law and order. And so this, this conflict has always existed. Now, it's not dualism. All right? It's not good versus evil. There's a sovereign God who has a master plan in all of this. And so going back to this master plan is this very specific seed of the woman. And when Adam and Eve looked at the child that was born, they said, here's hope. This is, this is what we want. So interesting files up there. So we're going to get that all straightened out. Did I, did I do that by pounding on the pulpit? <laughs> okay. um, but we have these, uh, th- these two basic lines here. The, the line of Cain and then the line of Seth, and hope is pronounced. So we see that in verses 14 through 19. But let's just take for a moment here, and I want you to um, understand this here. The woman's judgment involved pain and childbirth. She was also subjected to the leadership of her husband. And if you go over into the New Testament... Um, we see in First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 10 that it says that the woman shall be saved in childbearing. And that's why the proposition says that women, you're much more than children bearers, you're gospel bearers. And, and here's the point that I want to bring out today. That Eve received the stigma of taking humanity into sin. But God gave her hope that through her seed she would be used of God to leave humanity out of sin. And so every child that is born is a reminder of the curse of sin, but also the hope of raising a godly seed, just as. Adam and Eve hoped that their child, the first one that was born, would be that godly seed. Now it was Seth, and through his line, man began to call upon the name of the Lord. So when you raise a godly child, then the hope of the gospel is so intimately connected to motherhood. Just as it was intimately connected to in the day of Adam and Eve bringing forth their first child. Here's hope. Now, you can say, well, okay, so you showed me that in chapter 4, verse 1, but how do we really know that this is the correct biblical interpretation? Well, let me just say this. Moms, you have a a wonderful opportunity to shape and to fashion and to mold um, your child's life, all right? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, I, I just want to explain something for a second. Okay? Let me just run this down. As we mentioned before, Mother's Day can be hard for some women because they want to be a mom and they can't be. Right? Or maybe they haven't had a good relationship with their mother. Maybe their mother is not a godly kind of person. Well, Paul is speaking in general terms, in First Corinthians chapter seven verses 25 through 40, where not every woman has the opportunity to have a child, and not every woman is actually supposed to be married. But that doesn't mean that you can't have the hope of the gospel, and that you does not mean that you can't be a gospel-bearer, because you certainly can bear the gospel. And so the idea here is if you continue in faith and love and holiness and self-control, then you yourself are that godly seed. And you yourself bear the gospel and you bear the hope that is there. Now, as we look here at Genesis chapter 3, this is just from the Christian worldview. The explanation of how our first parents rebelled against God. Theologically, we call that the fall. The fall is the only thing that makes logical sense to explain the evil that's in the world today. And in the fall into sin, God is sovereign and he brings hope out of it. Here's how evil in some religions is presented, okay? It's this little particle floating around out here. Just evil. And you just might be happily walking down the trail one day. And you got hit with this little evil particle. And it was just bad circumstances, right? That's not an explanation for an evil heart. Okay? Evil is not impersonal. Evil was embodied in the devil. And evil in a wicked heart is embodied in every human being who's in rebellion to God. And the hope that then is associated with Christ and overcoming that evil, that's the only thing that makes logical sense is for what's going on in this world today. Uh, as we were singing these songs this morning, that because of Christ's, The little babe that the mother is holding in her arms can be brought up in an uncertain world, knowing in the certainty of a sovereign God. And so this is the explanation that we have here uh, in the scriptures. And it gives us our first glimmer of hope as a human race. That a human being is going to crush the head of the serpent And so this is the gospel hope that is pronounced in verse 15. And from that point forward then, the stream of humanity divides into two. Those who believe in the hope of the gospel or those who want to try to be self-righteous in their own efforts. You see, before this, we, we have a short encounter where Adam and Eve realized that they were naked. And what was their immediate solution? Do you remember in the story? They tried to sew themselves together fig leaves, right? To to hide their nakedness. Well, we all know what happens to leaves if they dry out. That's not going to be durable clothing. And so through their own efforts, they tried to compensate. They tried to cover their shame. But yet, It could not take that shame away. It could not remit their sin. And so God came to them, probing their conscience, trying to get them to acknowledge what they had done. One commandment, they disobeyed it. Will they own up to it? And when God begins to ask them, what is this that you have done? Eve says, God, you're at fault because you made that serpent. He asks Adam, Well, it's your fault, God, because you made Eve. Okay? Uh, so there's always that continual blame shifting and then their own effort of trying to resolve the shame and the, and the separation from God. But God didn't let them get away with that. He initiated his love. He came to them, asking them those questions to stir their conscience. And then the scripture records the first death. The death of an animal to make coats of skins for them. The shedding of blood. And then God clothed them. And when we read in the scriptures what God does, then uh, garments are that of salvation. So the gospel is pictured... So let's look here at just a, a couple of things in our next point because uh, the covering is the second point that we want to talk about. But let's talk about Adam's confession here. All right. So this is the best part of the story. So here's where I want you to, to pay attention today. God moved in to rescue these wretched creatures who had fallen so low. He did this in grace. So let's go and look at verses 20 and 21 of chapter 3. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Then verse 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. And so let's take our Bibles and go over to Titus chapter 3 verse 5 for a moment. Because this is an age-old human problem that we have to put to rest to understand that Hey, we're not going to solve this issue through our own efforts, our own righteousness. Religion is not going to help you. Being a good person is not going to help you. Uh, None of that is going to work. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You cannot correct your own problem through works of righteousness. Has no merit with God. You have to be born again, renewed with the Holy Spirit of God. He'll show you that you're a sinner, that you need a Savior. Uh, He'll show you the righteousness of God and he'll show you judgment to come. And then you'll call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. But self-effort like Adam and Eve's would not do this. It would not work in the presence of God. And um, they were condemned because God had told Adam in chapter 2, the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt surely die. And so now the clock has begun. It's ticking. And without any hope, there is a bleak future. And so, this is why the gospel is so associated with motherhood and the hope here of this. And so, the final execution of this sentence is going to come upon all of humanity. And the positive and a happy outcome it will all depend upon God. So, here in verse 20, uh, it says that Adam called his wife's name Eve. You remember at the beginning of the message, I said. When did she receive her name? Well, not until after the fall. Before that, she was just known as Isha, right? Wife or beloved woman, right? So, Isha was her name. But here, Adam calls her Eve. What does the name Eve mean? Well, it means life or living hope that she will be the mother of all the living. Now, it's not talking about living animals, all right? It's talking about those who find life in the hope that was pronounced. She was going to have the opportunity then. She had the stigma of leading humanity into sin, but through childbearing, the hope of the gospel is given to her. And so women can be much more than childbearers, they can be gospel bearers. And she received the hope of leading many into righteousness and out of their sin and, and rebellion towards God. And we know this because Adam changed her name to one that brings life, to one who brings hope. And so now this is their outlook, that she will become this mother of the living. So this is the only gospel that Adam has heard to this point. His faith and his trust is in what God has said he would do. And that's why when we get to chapter 4 verse 1, she says, "I've gotten my man from the Lord." They believe that this child would be that redeemer. And so she's the life or the life-giver. And that sins would be remitted. So, Adam and Eve, yes, they would physically die. Adam, 930 years later. But, you know, at that very moment, they had spiritually died. They were separated from God, and they needed the gospel. The devil would be defeated through the seed. And so, Adam's hope, Adam's faith, was in God and his promise of a deliverer. And so... In this particular sense then, even though the physical consequences of of sin began to run on that day, the clock began running, he died 930 years later, God remitted the spiritual penalty right here in giving them hope in verse 15 and remitted the penalty of sin which was eternal death and separation from God so that they did not die the second death. See, every human being dies once physically. And most human beings, unfortunately, will die a second time because they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, whoever is not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire, which burneth burns forever. And then the scripture says this, and this is the second death. Well, here's the good news. Adam and Eve did not experience that second death because they had faith in God's gospel pronouncement that there would be one that would come that would crush the head of the serpent. Then we see that God made a token of that promise or of that pledge in the tunics of skins. Now, let's take our Bibles and go over to the book of Isaiah for just a moment, Isaiah chapter 64, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 64, and let's look at verse 6. Remember trying to do our own righteous works? How would God view them? But look at this. In Isaiah 64, verse 6, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Do you see the durable difference between man's effort and God's effort? Adam and Eve made leaves. Time and the wind would blow their own self-righteous efforts away. But now let's go over to Isaiah 61. Just go back a couple of chapters. And look with me at verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with what? The garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of what? Righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. So here God clothes them. And it's a token that their faith has made them righteous. And this is how we see this and what this means in the story. So are you trying to cover yourself with your own efforts or are you trying to trust the Lord? You know, God approved of their sense of shame. You know what we're being taught today? That shame is a mentally harmful thing. It's not. It's a spiritually healthy thing for the psyche of man to acknowledge his sin and his transgression. And to seek the grace and the mercy of God is the only one that can set something straight and that we find ultimate forgiveness in God. And so here we see that God clothes them as a token of righteousness. And so the gospel then is pictured. Now let's look here at how the gospel hope is protected. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 and we'll finish out the rest of the story here. Beginning in verse 22, so the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. And so here the gospel is protected. So exile. God sends them out of the Garden of Eden so that they experience some consequences for their sin. See, here's what's wrong with our society today. People are doing wrong, and there's no consequence. So what does that tell them? We can keep doing wrong. right? So God is good in the fact that he manufactures the consequences for their sin. So he exiles them from the garden. Uh, here's another thing that God does. Now, they didn't become God or like God in the sense of knowing intellectually good and evil. Unlike God they became knowledgeable of sin experientially. Because God cannot sin. God is too holy and too righteous to commit sin. He's sovereign, he's omniscient, he knows all things, but he's never known sin or evil experientially. So when Adam and Eve rebelled against him, they knew evil experientially. Now I have a question for you. Would you like it if Adolf Hitler lived to be 969 years old and the Third Reich made it to 1,000 years? Would you have liked that? Would you like it if some of the serial killers got away with what they were doing for, say, 220 years? Would that be good? So how about this? God protected the gospel with the death penalty. You see, if Adam and Eve had no consequences, first of all from being removed from the garden, but if they had no consequences for their sin, then they would go on forever living as sinners never experiencing any consequence for their sin, and thus, humanity would be damned forever because no savior could be provided. And so, even though death is not a blessing, there is a blessing in death in that evil and wicked people do not live forever. There is an end to their wicked life. And that's a blessing in death. But it's also a blessing in the fact that Jesus Christ came. But when he came, did he exempt himself from the penalty that he put upon humanity? What do you think? No, he did not. He tasted death for every man. He entered into the deepest part of the curse so he could bless us. Isn't that a wonderful God? The grace and the love of God that he went into that level for us to taste death for every being. But he protected the gospel um, by exiling them from the garden and removing them from putting forth their hand and taking the tree of life and eating and living forever as sinners. And thus he protected a gospel opportunity that he had pronounced in verse 15, that the seed would come and crush the serpent's head. And so they were removed from that, and they experienced death. But here, as you can see on the screen, I have the the last one, and that is the blessing of life. Now, we know that Cain was not that promised seed. We know that when Seth came, then man began to call upon the name of the Lord. And if you trace it out through the Bible, yes, Jesus Christ is the son of Adam, but through the line of Seth. And through Christ, he defeated the devil. Colossians said it this way, That through his death and resurrection, he made open display of principalities and powers. Having died on the cross and risen again, and he triumphed over them in it. Christ has crushed the serpent for us. He has remitted our sins. And the gospel is even proclaimed in the book of Acts. It says, whoever believes in his name has remission of sin. So Adam and Eve, they had the gospel in their day. And by the way, how were they saved? By faith. How are you and I saved? By faith. Now their object of faith was just in God's promise. Now we know the object of our faith is the fulfillment of God's promise, is Jesus. So we trust in him. But it's faith that has always saved humanity. For by grace are you saved through faith, trusting in God's promise, and that not of yourselves, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. So by faith through grace. Have you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior today? So to all of us here today, guys, I told you to hang on because there was at least one man mentioned in the story. His name's Adam. And he plays a central figure in this because he calls his wife Eve. Adam confesses hope in God. So men, have you put your hope in God? Is Christ your Savior? Ladies, do you realize the tremendous privilege that you have to lead many out of the stigma of sin by the good news that was preached to Adam and to Eve. You have such an influence on our lives. Be gospel bearers. If you can't be a physical mother, then be a spiritual mother and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have daughters in the faith. Bring them up. Mentor them. For those that don't know Christ as Savior yet, Believe in him. And he'll lead you out of that stigma. He'll give you a new purpose and a new hope in life. And so, be a gospel bearer. So ladies, are you gospel bearers today? Are you taking the light of the gospel with you? You may not know how to do that, but just take a gospel track. That's all you have to do is give it out. And you'll be a gospel bearer. And then you can learn more and add that to your faith.